in the year of King Uzziah's death, in the year of King Uzziah's death, is an ancient way of saying, yeah, if she died in 65, we must have taken that cruise in 67. In the year of King Uzziah's death is the normal, sensible way we place landmarks in time. If I graduated in 83, then he must have been born in 87. We all do it. Isaiah the prophet places this landmark in the same year as this mystical vision. He sees Israel's God, the God of Sarah, Rebekah, and Rachel. It is this God whose clothing fills the temple. Now that sounds appropriate to a set to a sacred setting. What sounds less dignified or somewhat out of place is the next thing the narrator says. Winged creatures were stationed around the eternal one. Each had six wings. With two, they veiled their faces. With two, they veiled their feet. With two, they flew about. And this is the irreverent part. They shouted to each other, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heavenly forces. All the earth is filled with God's glory. In the Eastern Orthodox tradition, it is said that this line of praise, holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, is what all the strange creatures are constantly singing, proclaiming, shouting in God's presence. And when we sing this hymn of praise in just a few moments, we ourselves are joining their unending chorus. It's happening even now, even when we cannot perceive it or hear it, they are shouting the praise of God in God's presence. And I want to pause here. I think I lost my place. In God's presence. And I want to pause here, that's right. The six-winged creatures, better known as seraphim, are shouting. They are shouting. They are not using their inside voices. They are not utilizing proper liturgical protocols. The seraphim are not Episcopalians. They make the worship and adoration of God loud. I can't help but wonder at which decibel they're shouting. Their volume is so jarring that Isaiah is startled. And it probably isn't just their loudness that startles him, but their appearance. Their appearance. Human beings 
and I'm, I guess I'm just speaking for myself, I don't know about your experience, but in my experience, I am not accustomed to seeing six-winged creatures. And if you are, we can talk after the service. We are not accustomed to being caught up in mystical visions. We are not wired to experience God's full glory all at once. Small helpings, please, we politely request of God at the dinner table. I can only take so much at once. I was speaking with a family a few weeks ago who let me know that after a death of a loved one, the gestures of kindness from relatives and friends are simply overwhelming. Too much love. I've heard people say this in the wake of major surgery when they become the recipients of casseroles, fried chicken, and shelves and shelves of Diet Coke. All of the love can be overstimulating. All of the glory can be overstimulating. And that is what Isaiah seems to say. God, show me your glory on my terms. I want two wings per angel, not two wings per face, two wings per pair of feet, two wings just for flying. I want a smokeless throne room. I want a God who I can contain, comprehend, and handle. But God will not be contained, comprehended, or handled. No, God will not come to me on my terms. God will scare me, startle me, and terrify me before I place God in my little box. If my expectations for love, for God, for my life in general, and my well-being in particular are small. If my expectations for love and God are small, then my ability to love and receive love, my experience of God, and my experiences of my own life will be small. But... And in the Bible, when an author says, but, it's time to perk up and listen. But if I come before God with an openness, an expansiveness of imagination, I may, like Isaiah, see God as the all-encompassing, glorious, earth-shaking, smoke-filled being that God is. Now, what I'm about to say is a little tricky, so your prayers are welcomed for the next few moments. In the baptized life, the Christian life, it may very well be helpful to come before God with an expectation to be surprised. That's paradoxical. That's the tricky part. If I'm expecting something, can it still be considered a surprise? 
in a time of pandemic-induced monotony, God might be asking us to show up to the temple, to the place of prayer, to the place of worship with an expectation to be surprised, to be shaken, to be unsettled, to be in awe, to be left without even a word, only glory. Let us pray. God, we expect you to surprise us, to shake us, to fill our lives and the world you made with your glory. Peel away everything that might keep us from hearing the six-winged seraphim shouting your praise. Quiet us long enough to tune ourselves to not just hear you, but to taste and feel and celebrate all that you are and all that you have done and all that we are confident you will do for us. Amen.